0: Well, good morning. I greeted some of you with happy Sunday. I'll say it again, happy Sunday. It's good to see you this morning. Uh, We're going to be in Isaiah 23 this morning, Isaiah 23, but I want to ask you if you would to also turn, so turn there, uh, but also turn to Matthew 11 this morning. So Isaiah 23 uh, and Matthew 11, Isaiah 23, Matthew 11. Look this morning uh, at the Lord's uh, warning of judgment to uh, Tyre. Uh, this city-state. That uh, think about think about your map, your Bible lands map for a moment. Uh, Tyre would be a city on the Mediterranean, north of Israel, being, brother Mike, good morning, in modern day Lebanon, uh, out west to the coast on the Mediterranean. And uh, Tyre was uh, known for being a commercial uh, center, a port city on the Mediterranean, and it was a place of very significant. Uh, commerce. It was a place where goods would come in uh, and, and goods would go out. So it was really a trade center for that part of the world. And with that kind of uh, commercial activity, it was a place uh, where where some people at least got, got pretty wealthy. Uh, Zach, what tends to happen if, if, if people aren't careful? What tends to happen uh, as they have business, business success, there we go, and begin to accrue some wealth. What's, what's the risk spiritually in a situation like that? They start trusting in their wealth more than in their Lord. Uh, they start getting prideful about their wealth rather than remaining humble uh, before the Lord. And so that, that would be the, the spiritual risk for believers. And not that uh, being wealthy or having career success is, is sinful. No, of course it's not. It can be a, a wonderful blessing from the Lord, but as the Lord may bless with that, uh, believers need to stand guard against being prideful about that or looking to their success and their wealth more than to the God that makes that possible. So that's an implication for us. Uh, Tyre Mike wasn't it really wasn't a city um, in Isaiah's day that was a place that feared the Lord and, and worshiped the Lord so for them the issue seems to be more that their wealth in uh, their pride and about their wealth and their reliance upon that seemed to prevent them from coming to the Lord perhaps um, in the first place um, at all so Uh, That's kind of the introduction. I'm going to stop there and pray. Actually, Gary, would you open us in prayer this morning? That's a little different, but if you would, I appreciate that, sir. Thank you. Amen. Uh, so you, you'll recall that Tyre is a place that T Y R E is a place that shows up a few times, a number of times, um, in the New Testament, and uh, including here in Matthew 11. So that's one of the two places that I had you turn to. Good morning, folks. Uh, we're in Isaiah 23, but we're looking quickly in Matthew 11, just just for a moment. Uh, here in Matthew 11, beginning in verse. Uh, Twenty-one. Well, you go back up to verse 20. Jesus is traveling. He's, uh, Matthew records here. Then Matthew 11, verse 20. Then began he to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done uh, because they repented not. So remember, Jesus had a variety of reasons why he performed the miracles that he did. He was uh, wanting to authenticate his identity, to prove his identity, to demonstrate his, his omnipotence. Uh, To encourage the people to repent and and come to him. He says in verse 21, Woe unto thee, uh, Chorazin, woe unto thee, Bethsaida, uh, for if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they uh, would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. So um, this morning, we're looking at uh, really those two places, Tyre and and Sidon. It's called Zidon with a Z. Uh, in Isaiah, as you understand the the historical spiritual problems in uh, that c- c- come through in Isaiah, uh, by the way, make a note uh, also in Ezekiel 26 and 27. Ezekiel prophesies against Tyre uh, also, and adds a lot of detail in Ezekiel 26 and 27. So, uh, just make a note. Those will be two. Um, Two chapters to look at um, later on today or, or tonight or tomorrow. Take a look at those chapters and just see some of the detail here. But uh, as you understand from the Old Testament the prophecy against Tyre and the reasons for that, that we'll see this morning in Isaiah 23 and also in Ezekiel 26 and 27, when you come to places like Matthew 11 uh, and you see references to Tyre, well, you begin to understand something. Uh, about what was going on there. There there, there were places of uh, a certain degree of wickedness that did stem from their reliance upon their, their wealth rather than upon the Lord. And when you understand that, well, the, some of these things that Jesus says about places like this in, in the New Testament kind of come alive and you, you understand a little better uh, what the Lord is is referring to. So uh, that'd be one of our goals, just to have a better understanding of the the background, the spiritual background of this place, so that when we see it referenced uh, in the New Testament, we have a little better understanding. So, uh, let's go back to Isaiah 23 now. Isaiah 23, and really the conclusion of this passage of chapters that began uh, back in chapter 13. These uh, woes or burdens, remember burdens or prophesied judgments. Uh, mostly against Gentile nations that surrounded Israel. We saw uh, Jerusalem being addressed uh, last week in, in Isaiah 22. That was a little bit of a break in the, uh, in the flow here, but God put it there for a reason, Brother Richard. But uh, chapters 13 through this chapter are judgment prophecies of judgment against primarily the Gentile nations that surrounded uh, Israel and Judah, and really Judah is the audience, so keep that in mind. Now, uh, remember that the Lord is dealing primarily with Judah in the book of Isaiah, warning them uh, of judgment if they don't repent of their sin, including the serious sin of idolatry. Uh, but but in all of this is a, a message of hope uh, that the Lord would not only deal with, with Israel and Judah, Judah and Israel, but also their neighbors, many of whom have been a threat to them. So there's a warning uh, overall warning to Judah, especially in the first half of Isaiah, uh, and then promises, hey, God will deal with you, but he'll also deal with your neighbors, your Gentile neighbors, who are uh, in varying degrees enemies at, at times. Uh, and then as we get into the second half of the book, it's it's more about God promising to redeem uh, Israel and Judah, Judah primarily, as as they respond to the Lord. So With that, let's jump into uh, chapter 23 and verse one, a promise of the overthrow, the destruction uh, of Tyre, uh, this place uh, to the northwest of Israel on the Mediterranean. Okay, Isaiah 23 and verse one, the burden, the prophesied judgment, brother Ray, of of Tyre. Uh, A lot of poetic language here. He says, howl uh, ye ships of Tarshish, Uh, For it is laid waste so that there is no house, no entering in uh, from the land of Chittim or Chittim. uh, It is revealed to them. So you have a couple of place names, uh, several place names here. We've already covered Tyre. Uh, Where else do you see Tarshish in scripture? Where else does that show up? Uh, Any thoughts on that? Jonah, right? Jonah is a place. Uh, So it's a place. And then uh, Chittim or Chittim seemed to be uh, islands, collection of islands out in the Mediterranean uh, or possibly in the, in the Aegean uh, portion of the Mediterranean, really in a sense. Uh, these would seem to be references to the trading partners of Tyre. So uh, there would have been lots of different cities uh, and places that were shipping goods to Tyre, uh, trading there, shipping goods back out. So these would seem to be just examples of places that were trading uh, with Tyre and enabling their wealth that they evidently had become uh, so, so prideful about. He says, "Howl ye ships of Tarshish, uh, for it is laid waste. Well, understand that, there's the, a prophecy of the city being destroyed. There's no house, the houses are destroyed, no entering in, perhaps the port uh, is destroyed from the land of Cheatham, it, it is revealed to them. Uh, howl, what's, what, what, Gary, what do you make of that word, howl? Hey, you trading partners of, uh, of Tyre, howl. What is, what's being pictured there? Yeah, grief at the loss of this uh, place that had been a source of wealth and, and, and trading for them. Yeah, that, you know, howling in grief is, is really the idea, uh, no doubt. So this is a very serious prophecy of, of the destruction of, of Tyre. Uh, In the effect that its destruction will have on other uh, peoples and places um, around them. Uh, Verse two, similar, he says, "'Be still, ye inhabitants of the isle.'" Now, uh, Tyre is a city-state, really, uh, that had um, components that would be um, on the the main landmass there, modern-day Lebanon. Uh, but but seems to have been a, um, just off the coast, there there was an island where a portion of the city was located as well. So uh, it uh, kind of like uh, England being just off the coast of, of the, the mainland of Europe, uh, the, the island that's referenced here would be closer probably, but uh, in any event, be still, ye inhabitants of, of the isle, uh, thou whom the merchants of Zidon. So here you see Zidon, Z-I-D-O-N, Uh, No doubt, this is the same as Sidon, S-I-D-O-N, that we see um, in the New Testament. Just remember that sometimes the the spellings or the form of a the name of a person or place uh, will change as it moves from the Old Testament into the New Testament, uh, and then coming through into English. Brother Ray, we understand. There's, there's couple of of translations, it hops of translation there, right? So when you move from the Old Testament to the New Testament, you're moving from Hebrew to Greek and then from Greek into English. So uh, the spellings and the forms of the names can, can move around a little bit for that reason. But this Zidon with a Z no doubt is the same with our Sidon with an S in the New Testament. Be still, ye inhabitants of the isle, thou whom the merchants of Zidon uh, that pass over the sea have have replenished. replenished. There we go. Uh, verse three, and by great waters, the seed of uh, sihor or sior, uh, the harvest of the river is her revenue, uh, and she is a mart uh, of nations. Now, a couple of thoughts on this word sihor, S-I-H-O-R. Uh, there's different views on exactly what this refers to, but in a general sense, it's it's pretty well understood to be a reference to Egypt. Remember, we've already seen Isaiah prophesy against Egypt. Gary, I think it was chapter 19, if I recall correctly. Um, this could be a reference to Egypt in, in general. Uh, it's thought also to perhaps be a reference to one of the arms um, of the, the, he says, the river, the harvest of the river. What will be the, the river uh, in Egypt? The Nile, right. So it had different arms and branches. So uh, it might might be a reference to uh, an arm or a, a location on the Nile, uh, a portion of the Nile might might be the idea. You have this word Mart here. She is a Mart uh, of nations. Uh, mart has the idea of marketplace. Uh, that we see that word being used. Unlike uh, where would you, where would you see that word Mart maybe? Walmart. There you go. Okay, good. Uh, so that, that that word has continued to be uh, in use. Uh, mart would be a marketplace of nations. Um, in Ezekiel, uh, it's called a merchant of the people for many isles, so mart, merchant, again, uh, consistent with our understanding that this is a major center or focal point of commerce around the Mediterranean that is being prophesied against. And, uh, if, if Tyre is gonna be affected by the kind of judgment that's being described here, it's gonna affect the entire region uh, very significantly. It's gonna affect the wealth throughout the region. Uh, Gary, that's why we would expect to see some howling amongst their uh, trading partners. Uh, verse four, we'll move on here. Um, poetically, here in verse four, uh, the sea begins to speak uh, why would the Lord maybe have chosen to kind of utilize the sea as part of His uh, poetic messaging to to Tyre? Why, why would why would He sort of personify the sea? What would what would be uh, what would make the sea applicable like that? Zach, that any thoughts? Um, uh, like a wave that's per- perhaps like a wave that's coming, a tidal wave of of destruction coming to this place. Uh, the sea was also the, the primary way that goods moved in and out of Tyre, uh, or a primary way at least, some goods would come in and out of the port there, uh, and then obviously would travel on land, but yeah, it could be, could be both of these ideas. So the sea is personified and, uh, and speaks here poetically in verse four. Uh, be thou ashamed, Isaiah writes, O, o Zidon, so it's Tyre and Zidon, they're they're often grouped together in scripture. We know that they're um, they seem to be separate places that are located uh, in close proximity to other to each other. But it seems like uh, at at times in scripture, uh, one name is used to refer to the two of them as if they were kind of one thing, like two cities in one state. Um, you might refer to Connecticut uh, as a as a reference to all the places within Connecticut. So. Uh, that, that's a possibility here. He says, Be thou ashamed, O Zidon, uh, for the sea hath spoken. Rich, did the sea ever speak to you? Uh, hopefully not. So this is, this is poetry. For the sea hath spoken, uh, even the strength of the sea, saying, uh, I travail not, nor bring forth children, neither do I nourish up young men, nor uh, bring up virgins, the idea probably here is that the sea is lamenting the fact that children were born uh, and, and, and raised up as this place is, is or these places, as this area uh, is destroyed by the Lord as a judgment, uh, the, the sea is lamenting that anyone was ever born there, that anyone was born uh, and, and grew up. The destruction will be so great that people might wish that they had never been born uh, or that they had grown up, might, might be the idea. Uh, probably uh, that's the idea. When you get to verse five, um, we see this: uh, as at the report concerning Egypt, so shall they be sorely pained uh, at the report of Tyre. So uh, it seems like here we've, we've had a reference to Egypt uh, back in verse three, another reference to Egypt here in verse five and And so the Lord seems to kind of be um, utilizing the prophecy that he's already given uh, against Egypt. By the way, there was a a place that was associated with Egypt also that was prophesied against. Remember the name of that place? Uh, There was Egypt, and then there was another place that was associated with Egypt. What was it? Think about that. We're going to come back to it. Let your brain work on that for a second. So, Lord does kind of seem to deal with uh, closely, uh, geographically closely places together. We're going to come back to that. Think about that for a minute. You remind me if I forget. Um, So, a couple of times here, there's a reference back to Egypt. um, And uh, why? Well, I think the idea here is that, hey, just as I prophesied, Lord is saying through Isaiah, uh, just as I prophesied against Egypt, and, and you kind of receive that, uh, I'm prophesying now against Tyre. They're, they're not going to be treated differently. There's similar issues. There's similar spiritual concerns and similar uh, rationale for for the God to judge Egypt. If you accepted that regarding Egypt, uh, hear this and accept this regarding uh, uh, Tyre. As we look through Scripture and see the, the reasons that God has judged uh, individuals or nations in the past... Uh, What's the implication for us, Gary? What, what what would be the implication for us in our own lives if if you see God is is uh, prophesying judgment against Tyre for its pridefulness about its wealth and position? Uh, what do you do with that in your own life? Well, it, it, at least understand that that's offensive to the Lord, right? Let's try to stand guard against that, as we said in the opening. And uh, if if we're convicted that hey, i I've become prideful about my position uh, in the workplace or even in the church or, or prideful about wealth or prideful about anything, understand, hey, God has judged nations. He's destroyed cities uh, for, for this kind of concern. Uh, we we know that our sins are forgiven and, and God is merciful, but he, he does also chasten his people. So uh, I'll, I'll look at this and I say, well, sure enough, God God would uh, we, we accept that he would chasten or judge Egypt for her sins. Uh, if, if this place that's being prophesied against has similar sin issues, certainly they could expect the same. Uh, and today we should expect, hey, if there's similar spiritual issues in our own lives, despite the fact that we're saved, God might in fact uh, seek to lovingly correct us for, for the same thing probably not destroy us as saved people, but lovingly seek to, uh, to correct us for the same spiritual concerns. And so uh, this, this might be part of the application for us this morning. Uh, verse six, pass ye over to Tarshish, howl again, uh, the inhabitants uh, of the isle, the, the island city-state that is Tyre, uh, howl uh, in anticipation of this judgment Uh, understand this is not going to be an easy thing. People need to get right. This is a warning, of course, uh, to the people, the place and the people that is Tyre. Uh, It's a warning to get right. Yeah, howl. (laughs) And as you anticipate this, uh, be affected by that. Be be encouraged to repent uh, and turn to the Lord, your God. Verse seven continues, uh, "'Is this your joyous, joyous city?' Uh, so describing Tyre after it's been, um, after this prophecy has been fulfilled, as the city has been destroyed, uh, picture sort of Isaiah standing there with some of the people looking over the ruins of the city. Is this your joyous city? Uh, is is this the place where you've enjoyed your wealth and uh, experienced so much joy, albeit false joy, uh, whose antiquity is of ancient days? Uh, this, this, this city dates back to the, the Phoenicians uh, historically. It's a place that had very deep historical roots uh, because of its location. Uh, is this your joyous city? Is, is this the city, this place that has, was, was founded so long ago and was so strong for so long? Uh, the, the, question, the answer would be no, not, not after it's destroyed uh, in, in judgment by the Lord for their sins. He says her own feet shall carry her uh, afar off to sojourn. So uh, evidently a picture here of, of being marched off in captivity, uh, not like that which um, Israel would experience in 722 uh, in BC and Judah would experience in, do you remember? The date that Babylonians finally carry off. 586 BC. There were stages of that, right? Kind of waves of that, but 586 would be the main date. Uh, uh, evidently, this, this city, uh, the people of this city are going to be marched off to sojourn in, in, in a captivity uh, as well. That wasn't uh, something that was unique to the people of Israel and Judah. This was kind of what the empires of the day did, as they uh, could capture and, and conquer a place Uh, a portion at least, of the people would be marched off into captivity uh, to serve uh, wherever, whenever uh, the conquerors desired. This is part of the judgment uh, for for their sin, their pridefulness, their rejection of the Lord, their reliance upon wealth and power and position. Um, Verse 8, Isaiah asks a question, uh, and it's a good question. It's intended to cause the people to stop and uh, and think, what is this about, and, and, and who, if anyone, is, is going to cause uh, this judgment? Verse 8, he asks, Isaiah asks, uh, who hath taken this counsel against Tyre? Uh, where's this prophecy coming from? Uh, who is going to cause this kind of destruction uh, of the crowning city, uh, whose merchants are princes? Uh, whose, whose inhabitants are people not only of wealth but of position and, and power, uh, whose traffickers uh, are the honorable of the earth. Who, the question is, who in the world could be behind this kind of judgment uh, that Isaiah is, is asking them? As, as I'm prophesying, he wants them uh, to consider who in the world could cause uh, this kind of a destruction of a place that has been so powerful uh, for so very long. Uh, by the way, are there any empires in world history uh, that have lasted, um, that don't have an end date? That don't have an end date? Brother Garcia, you're shaking your head no. All of the empires of world history have a beginning date and an end date, don't they? Um, you, you consider Egypt goes goes back into very ancient antiquity, but uh, it began to decline and then, and then was, was uh, conquered by the Assyrians and occupied by the Medes and Persians and uh, conquered by the Babylonians and uh, finally, well, uh, dealt with by the Greeks and then finally really ended as the Romans um, came and Cleopatra died. That would be around 30 BC, right? So uh, even even a, a nation uh, or an empire that continued for several millennia uh, had an end date, an expiration date, uh, all the empires that that we just mentioned uh, had an expiration date. Uh, God can deal with a nation, no matter who it is, no matter how long it has existed, no matter how powerful it has been historically, no matter how much wealth it has uh, when when uh, he chooses to address the sin. Of that people and that land, he's able to do that. And uh, of course, all the prophecy that we've seen against these various uh, nations for these past ten chapters uh, has been fulfilled. Uh, it, it has been fulfilled. And, and Gary, I think that's something that we as a nation need to consider as well, right? Uh, we need to consider that as well. And praise God, we we know that we look forward to the final kingdom, the Lord's millennial kingdom. Uh, that, that in a sense will end. I understand it's a thousand-year kingdom, but uh, the Lord's reign never ends. The nature of his reign will change after a thousand years, but uh, or the place, not really the place, but the, the nature, the, the character of that will change. Uh, the way he rules and reigns will change, perhaps. But um, we, we look forward to a uh, the Lord's kingdom uh, when the Lord himself will, will rule and reign and, and sin will not be the issue Uh, that it has been. We praise God that we are able to know that and and look forward to that. Uh, The the answer is verse nine, the answer to the question, who will do this? Verse nine, it's the Lord. Uh, Isaiah reveals the Lord of hosts has purposed it uh, to stain the... What's the next word there? What's the P word? To stain the pride uh, of all glory and to bring into contempt all the honorable uh, of the earth. This is judgment that will be authored by the Lord uh, for the, 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 the people's prideful rejection uh, of the Lord. Evidently, at least it's implied for their reliance upon their wealth, their power, their position, uh, their, their pride in that, their rejection of the Lord. This is the Lord's judgment for uh, this uh, type of sin. Uh, verse 9, uh, he, sorry, that's verse 9. Verse 10, uh, he'll end their strength. No matter how long, how strong they've been historically, uh, the Lord is omnipotent. He's able, he's able to end their strength, uh, to diminish it. Verse 10, uh, pass through thy land as a river or daughter of Tarshish. Uh, and then this phrase, there is no more strength. Uh, the Lord will diminish their strength the way he chooses to do that. Um, there's a number of references to the strength of Tarshish in scripture. Uh, Joshua, Joshua 19.29 calls it a, a strong city. Uh, Zechariah 9.3, it's called a stronghold, a stronghold, a strong city. Uh, it's a place that uh, various writers of scripture uh, over time have, have they, they've been impressed by the strength of this place. And Gary, that's part of the spiritual problem. People, it had been so strong in every way historically. They didn't need to rely upon anyone else. They thought uh, they didn't need the Lord. They had wealth and strength and power and position, and (coughs) they didn't need the Lord. They thought, well, until a time comes when there is no more strength. Verse ten. It's the Lord who will uh, effect this judgment. Verse eleven. He stretched out his hand over the sea. He shook the kingdoms. The Lord hath given a commandment against the merchant city uh, to destroy the strongholds, the strongholds thereof. So Zechariah 9.3 says, hey, it's a place of strongholds, the Lord will specifically destroy the strongholds uh, thereof. Gary, why does Isaiah write verse 11 as if it has already happened? Why does he say he stretched out, past tense? He shook, past tense. The Lord hath given a commandment. Why is he writing it as if it's already happened? He's, it's that sure. It's, it's that certain. Uh, Isaiah is writing God's words. Uh, this is a prophecy from the Lord. Uh, by the way, the Lord would know if these people would receive this um, prophecy and repent Uh, and thereby uh, avoid this judgment, but Lord knows uh, that that would not be the case, and so the judgment of destruction would come. Uh, It's so certain that Isaiah is able to write it as if it's already uh, happened. It's called a prophetic past tense or perfect tense, maybe. Uh, It's something that we see in prophecy. It it emphasizes the certainty uh, of the fulfillment of prophecy. Verse 12, he said, Thou shalt no more rejoice, uh, o thou oppressed virgin daughter of Zidon, uh, arise, pass over to Chittim or Chittim. Uh, there also there also shalt thou have no rest for, uh, or more judgment being pictured here. Get down to verse thirteen. and get a little bit more detail about how the Lord will accomplish this. Verse thirteen says this: Behold, the land of the Chaldeans. Now. Uh, Chaldea, the Chaldeans, is a reference to which empire? Uh, Which empire? It'd be the Babylonians. Uh, This would be the Babylonians. Behold the land of the Chaldeans or the Babylonians. Uh, This people was not till the Assyrians founded it. So uh, that's true. Babylon kind of grew out of Assyria historically. There was the Assyrian Empire, then the Babylonian Empire, then the Medes and Persians, then Greece, then Rome. Uh, then the millennial kingdom to follow before that. Uh, uh, I'll get it, Egypt. Uh, even Babylon that grew out of Assyria would have an end. Uh, that That is true. Uh, that might be the implication here. Uh, we see here, however, that God is going to, before the God ends Babylon, he's going to use Babylon uh, to affect his judgment of Tyre. Verse 14, how will ye ships of Tarshish again? Uh, for your strength is laid waste. You'll be greatly affected by the loss of this very significant uh, trading partner. Verse 15, it shall come to pass in that day uh, that Tyre shall be forgotten uh, 70 years according to the day of one king. Uh, Is there another people who were marched off into captivity for 70 years in scripture? Yeah, well, Judah, right? They're 586. They're they're marched off. They're uh, they're they're in Babylon for 70 years before the power changes, right? Cyrus issues his decree. The Medes and Persians, and, and they're allowed to come back. That was 70 years. Um, it seems to be a little bit different here. The 70 years here uh, is is probably a period of 70 years that the Lord utilized Nebuchadnezzar Uh, and Babylon to weaken this place. That's probably the idea here. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, he he reigns in Babylon, 605, 539 BC, it's 70 years, give or take, Uh, is is probably the idea here is that he is executing sort of this slow motion judgment against Tyre uh, over a period of time. Uh, eventually, in 332, Alexander the Great destroys uh, this place pretty much completely, uh, pretty much completely. He builds a bridge or a crossway from uh, the main landmass out to the city and uh, uses that to destroy it pretty much completely. So it is kind of a slow motion fulfillment of this prophecy, or that would seem that would seem to be the case. However, Isaiah also prophesies that after this time of judgment, uh, Tyre would be restored, at least for a time. Uh, it would be destroyed uh, and kind of given a second chance to reject all of the pride and spiritual problems and rejection of the Lord in in the past. Uh, it would be given a second chance. Are you thankful today? First of all, is God a God of second chances? Is, he is, Amen. We have a God who is a God of second chances. We praise Him for that. Uh, I'm thankful for that, no doubt. You are too. Uh, he's a God of second chance. It seems to give this this place, uh, this place, a second chance. Verse 15, after the end, second part of verse 15, after the end of 70 years, Tyre shall uh, sing uh, as an harlot. Well, there's a there's an indication there. I think of uh, what she does with her second chance. Uh, she's given a second chance, uh, she being the city personified, but seems to return to the same spiritual problems that caused the judgment in the first place. Uh, by the way, was Judah? Were the people of Judah corrected in their 70-year sojourn or, or time in Babylon? Were, were they corrected? Were they? They were, right? Largely, I mean, they're. Overall, at least, right? Many people were corrected, and they're they're allowed to return. Uh, This is a place where where most people, at least, don't seem to get corrected, evidently. Uh, Verse 16, take in heart poetic language. Go about the city, thou harlot uh, that has been forgotten. Make sweet melodies. Sing many songs that thou mayest be remembered. Uh, It shall come to pass, verse 17, after the 70 years, the Lord will visit Tyre, She shall turn to her higher and shall commit fornication with all the kingdoms of the world upon the face of the earth. Um, There's various interpretations here, but the general idea seems to be that she's not corrected by this 70 year period of judgment. As God lifts his hand of judgment and allows this place to sort of grow back, uh, as it had been, it does just that. It, it grows back to pretty much exactly uh, what had been the case. Uh, Rich, we do well to remember that when God is correcting us, we, we have a choice. We choose to be corrected or choose to not be corrected, right? When I'm, uh, when I'm getting spanked, when I got spanked as a young person, I could choose to accept the correction and go forward c- corrected, or I could choose to just continue uh, in my ways and, and probably look forward to getting spanked again, right? Always better to confess the sin, repent, forsake it, move on uh, in God's strength. Uh, the majority of these people evidently did not, uh, at least uh, in the period that's in view here uh, in chapter uh, verses 16 and 17. Thankfully, thankfully, that's not quite the end of the story. If you look at, by the time you get to verse 18, it says this, And her merchandise and her hire shall be holiness to the Lord. This sounds different. It shall not be treasured nor laid up. This sounds different. For her merchandise shall be for them that dwell before the Lord. That sounds different. uh, To eat sufficiently and for durable clothing. So It sounds like as much as things were bad in verses 16 and 17, at that point in time, it sounds like Isaiah also looks ahead and prophecies to a time down the road from there uh, where the people, or at least some of the people, uh, have gotten right with the Lord. Not, they're, they're no longer hoarding their wealth and pridefully keeping it for themselves. It's not treasured or laid up, but rather they're sort of reinvesting their wealth, her merchandise shall be for them that dwell before the Lord uh, to eat uh, and, and to be clothed. So, uh, Brother Ray, it sounds like there's a time that's being pictured in the future where what had been used for uh, or retained for prideful purposes is now lovingly be being reinvested uh, to help those who are serving the Lord, to meet the needs of, uh, of, of God's servants. That would seem to be the picture uh, here in, in verse 18. Now, uh, there'll be different uh, understandings of exactly when that is. Uh, we know, we don't have time to look at the verses, but I'll just share with you quickly, give you some references. Uh, we know that um, during the Lord's earthly ministry, um, he, he interacted with a woman from Tyre, Matthew 15, just make a note, Matthew 15, 21 through 28, a very faithful woman uh, whose, whose daughter uh, was sick, uh, and the Lord blessed her for her faithfulness by healing her daughter. So uh, we, we know there's at least one, one faithful person um, from the coasts of Tyre and Zion, Matthew 15, 21, that uh, the Lord interacts with during his ministry. Uh, we also know that as Paul was traveling uh, for his missionary journeys uh, in Acts 21— In Acts 21, he landed at Tyre, sort of en route back to uh, Jerusalem, um, and he met a number of faithful brethren there um, in this place at that time. So, we know that in the first century, there were some faithful people in this place. Uh, Zach, is that the fulfillment of, of verse 18? I don't know, I, I kind of think it's not, but we, we do know that by the time we get to the first century there there are some faithful people uh, who are being highlighted by the Holy Spirit in Scripture. Um, that that could be the fulfillment of verse 18, but I wonder if it's more of just kind of a, a type of the more complete fulfillment of that that will come in the millennial kingdom. Um, so I can't say for sure, but we, we do know that the Lord has prophesied in verse 18 that this judgment is not the end of this place. They they get spanked once. Uh, there's a suggestion that they, they don't get corrected. But down the road, down the road, a gracious God continues to deal with these people. Uh, some begin to get right. We see that Matthew 15, Acts 21. Uh, and I think that, that, for, that sort of foreshadows or looks ahead to A more complete fulfillment of the verse 18 prophecy uh, in the millennium. Aren't you glad that we have a God who continues to deal with us? Aren't you glad? Uh, Gary, he doesn't just leave us set off on the side. I understand we can get to a place where he's not able to use us, and in in that sense, he may set us on the side, set us on the shelf for a time, but uh, he continues, he continues He continues to work on us, and uh, he has his purposes for that. He's a good and loving God. Uh, He spanks us. He corrects us when we need it because he loves us, because he cares about us, because he wants us to be uh, right with him and and usable in service to him. Uh, Gary, we're better off when we're right with him and, and usable to him, aren't we? We're so much better off. We're so much better off. Uh, Praise God. He corrects us when we need it, and uh, he'll persist in that for a time at least because he loves us so very much. The Lord corrected this place Tyre. Evidently, he continued to, to deal with the people there. Some, some get right by the time we get to the first century. No doubt, no doubt there's people who are right with the Lord there today and many more who will be in the millennium. We'll have the privilege to see that together. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you, Lord, this morning for this passage. Lord, I thank you this morning. It's not just a dusty old history lesson with nothing to be learned from it. Lord, there's much that we can take away, uh, principles uh, that we can and should bear in mind today. Lord, help us, please, Lord, help us to uh, always, daily remember just how dependent we are upon you. Lord, any Uh, resources we have, any wealth, any position, any privileges that we enjoy uh, today. Lord, they're from you. They're from you. There's certainly nothing to be prideful about. Lord, keep us humble. Keep us humble, Lord. Father, I pray uh, today, this morning, that as we uh, take up the warning to Tyre, that you would help us to stand guard against their spiritual problems, and that, Lord, we would remain humble as you bless us, Lord, help us to never allow your blessings to be an occasion for pride. Lord, please help us to remain humble and usable. Father, I love you. I thank you. I pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being here this morning. See you back shortly.